Hello, and welcome to the Cultivate Minnesota podcast. I am your host, Laura Walser. In this episode, we learn from Katie Condent, a recent college graduate and current preschool teacher in a child care center. We are going to talk to her about her experience with earning her degree in early childhood and her first year in the field. We know that the field is lacking quality teachers for the tremendous work that needs to be done with our youngest learners. So we wanted to explore more about what the work is like to get ready for that career path, and how well the education prepares teachers for the actual work that is out there. There are many experiences and options out there for work in this field and how to get into the field. And we are excited to share Katie's story and her journey from her perspective. All right, so we are here. Do you want me to call you Katie or Kate? Which one do you prefer um, for this? You can call me Katie. Okay. If good. it doesn't throw you off too much. Nope, it won't. Okay. I'll have that right there. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. I don't, I like to be authentic and yeah. there's like seven Katie's at work here. Yep, that's right. So, so call me Kate at work. Mm-hmm. And I know. And you, did to? you know that Alexis's name is actually, mo- everyone else calls her Lexi. Really? We are the only people that call her Alexis. Huh. Yep. Which to me, I'm like, you are Alexis. Like, uh-huh. I can't see you as a Lexi at all. And she goes, no, I'm only known as Alexis at work. Otherwise, I'm Lexi. Oh, funny. Like, so to me, that's like two different <laughs> people there. So uh, first, I think we're just going to start with a little background as far as what made you decide even to go into the field. Yeah. So, so growing up, my mother did daycare in our home and I am the youngest of three. And so she did it until I could be home alone with my older siblings by ourselves. Um, so I was five years old and I loved my life helping her change diapers. And <laughs> I loved my life at five years old when I was already a teacher. <laughs> yep. And um I loved feeding the babies and putting them to sleep. Do you have memories of this? Five oh, years yeah. old? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. I remember she had twin girls and they were like my favorite thing. It was literally like a real life baby doll. It was wonderful. Growing. So we did that and then I was able to go to school and she quit daycare. And then in high school, I did a lot of volunteering and things around my community with children. So basically wherever there was children, I was there. And then I did a lot of nannying in the summer. And my sophomore year, going into junior year, is really when they start hounding you about what you're going to do when you get older. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Decide. And I always heard about 
elementary education, elementary education, elementary education. And there was actually our community college in town had a what's called a two and two program with Winona State University to do this elementary program. Because what was your hometown? Austin, Minnesota. All right. So I was looking into that and then I got really scared that it went up to sixth grade. And I was like... But did you know education? Yes, I knew. Okay. So I... Well, going back farther in my history, I wanted to become a pediatrician at first. Okay. And then I fainted at the sight of my brother being a minister. And you're like, that career was done. <laughs> so that ended. And I was like, what else is there with kids? And so I was like, education, obviously. You would have made so, a really cute ped- pediatrician too, just by the way. Thanks. I could see it. Yeah. I really wanted the big bucks, but I was shooting for the stars with that one and went the opposite direction with the money. Yep. So, yeah, that was a little back history of how it ended in education was because I had that experience and I was like, nope, not for me. So, yeah, anyways, they were hounding me about elementary education. I was learning about elementary education and then they scared me with sixth grade. And so I, one of the places I was volunteering at, the Community Learning Center in Austin, Minnesota, I was working with a teacher. Her name is Candice and funny (laughs) um that was really funny she was like where are you going to school at and i was like i have no idea like i don't know what i'm gonna do because i don't want to get a license that lets me teach up to sixth grade because that would be my luck you didn't want to yeah yep and so she was like a lot of us teachers went to moorhead state university have you ever thought of looking into the early childhood program there and i was like moorhead i know i never even heard of the place and next thing I knew it, I was on their website and I scheduled the tour and me and my mom made a five and a half hour hike up there. Not a hike. We drove. Um, <laughs> they didn't literally hike. <laughs> or hitchhike. That's good. It's, yeah, whatever. Um, and I loved it. I loved the campus. I loved everything about it, except that it was far away from yeah. family. But um, I was like, it's fine. I only have a few years here and then I can go wherever I want. And um, did you explore a lot of other options? I mean, did you feel like when you went into like, okay, early education, I'm kind of feeling this. Was it just more head and go? Or did you like kind of explore and were there lots of other options for that degree? Um, yeah. So I, I mean, not, yeah, <laughs> definitely not. I explored other colleges because I had never even heard of Moorhead, And so I was like, well, yeah. I should see other places. And I... When I was trying to fill out my tour application on the websites, I always remember um, never finding early childhood. There was always elementary education, but never early childhood. Okay. And so I I was like, well, I'll just put uh, education and hope for the best. And when I get there, I'll ask them. And so I did that for a handful of colleges, and they none of them had an early childhood degree. And so... I was like, well, this part of your campus is nice and this is nice, but uh, you don't have the program that I'm looking for. And so then I f- learned about Moorhead and okay. we toured it and they had my program that I wanted and I was only licensed to teach until third grade at right where my cutoff is. And <laughs> I was like, sign me up. There we go. Uh, yeah. Do you remember any other challenges as we talk about that for people just to get some background on going to get that degree or even looking at colleges or do you do you remember any other struggles or challenges in that journey of your life of finding the college and the degree you wanted um like i said before it was five and a half hours away from where i was from and i 
grew up very supported, very comfortable where I was living. And so to go that far out of my comfort zone was very, very challenging. Sure. Because it wasn't like I could just go home easily on the weekend and come right back Sunday. So I think just the location really okay. was probably the most challenging part for me. Yep. But so. you wanted that degree. That program was yeah. uh I was driven to do yep. that and that was the place that had it for me that I loved. So yep. awesome. Yeah. So tell me, let's talk a little bit more about your college experience, because uh, that's a big part of what I want this podcast to focus on is what is it like to get an early education degree? And so what were some of the things that you really enjoyed about the degree? And I know, obviously, as you reference this, this is going to be for Moorhead where you went. So yeah. very aware that every program and different colleges are different, but it's still going to give us a little bit of an idea of what it's like. So what were some of your favorite things about the program you were in? Yeah, so I had the luxury to do some college classes in high school. And so when I went to Moorhead, I actually had a whole year of college done. So I did three years at Moorhead. And the first, I would say, year and a half, the first three semesters, was a lot of still the general basic courses that any education degree had to do. Um, so still like your writing classes and your math classes and just those really basics. So then the next part of my college experience was more of the education courses and really diving into early childhood part of it. And so I did a lot of the fun classes where I got to go out and experience in the classroom or different child care centers. And I got to do fun projects. I remember one class, I got to completely create my own child care center. And so you had to come up with your policies and what your staff were like and how wow. many staff and your mission goal. And I have a whole like 50 page document <laughs> of this child care center. I love it. So those that didn't happen though until the end of my college experience. So they were focusing a little bit on childcare. Yes. Part of it. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think back to mine, which of mine is also an early uh childhood degree. And I'm trying to think how much I mean, I did I had childcare field experience, but I don't remember how much I went in depth with like that type mm -hmm. of thing but definitely i had the field experience but that's a really cool project i love that one yeah so it was that was actually one of the last classes i took before into full student teaching and so yeah that was that was a great great class okay any other ones that stick out or distinct like memories or projects or i definitely remember one class it was effective teaching strategies and my professor Erin Gillette, I remember, she read us, uh, I don't even remember what book it was, but she read us a book. And she read it, I believe, in two different ways. She read it the first way, super monotone, super boring. Yeah. But standard to what a typical non-degree person yeah. would read a story because you, you read were just story. reading the words. Right. Um, and then she read it the second time. And it was, I don't even, I want to say it was like brown bear, brown bear, like okay. a, a really simple child care or child book and she read it with such expression and her whole purpose of reading the story was to read books with expression because yeah. here we all are all 20 21 22 year olds sitting on the edge of our seats <laughs> listening to brown bear brown bear oh, um the story that we had read you. oh she yeah she you. totally had us and so she's just really trying to emphasize how much 
passion you have into what you're doing. That was just mm-hmm. one class. Yep. Talking about the expression. Really. Yeah. Oh, I love this so, program too. <laughs> um, yeah. The, I, I'll never forget the day where I went to class, super excited, whatever. And then she read us a book and I was like, we're reading a book. And then she read it the boring way. And I was like, like, okay, I get this. Yep. And I then she read it. It worked. It was good. So. Oh, man. And so do you find yourself channeling her when you read your books? Oh, my gosh. Completely. And sometimes (laughs) when other people read books, I'm like, come on, add a little to it. Like, (laughs) I don't care what it is. Do something. (laughs) And so if you ever see me reading a book, I always try to engage it, make it engaging and have them engage what was her name again? Erin Gillette. Okay. I'm totally going to say, like, I'm just going to oh, yeah, you time and be like, you totally Erin Gillette that, just so you know. Nice <laughs> She work. would be so proud. <laughs> so proud. I'm trying to think of some of my favorite memories from my degree. For some odd reason, a lot of my gen eds are coming to my mind. I'm like, well, that's boring. Why am I thinking of my history class and my math class? And I have vivid memories of those. But I do remember... And I wish I could remember her name, but I can't right now. And I was doing a presentation. And I remember one of her responses in there is like, I love your voice. Like just, <laughs> she was captivated by it. I was like, that's what, I mean, I just did all of that to be a teacher. And I was like, well, I guess now. Yeah. I mean, Erin Gillette would love that because right. my voice probably in myself in itself would be very captivating. So maybe there was something to be said about that. But I still remember that being like, the weird, I'm like, okay, thanks. So did I pass? Like, right. did I do good? <laughs> that's all I care about. And I do remember distinctly working very hard in college classes because I do feel like I did a lot more presenting, which makes sense again in education because you have to stand up and lecture or talk and be in front of people and feel comfortable with it. Yep. And I remember a lot working on my um, um, everything mm. was um, um. So I, I still to this day think about that and try to watch that. And so um, those are a lot of my memories in the classrooms and projects. Like, and I think now it's like, is that part of why I went into early education is because mm. I always loved the projects. Like, even at all through school, like, my favorite teacher, Mr. Kraft, uh, he, all of his teachings and the lessons we did were always projects. Like, I can think back to, and my girls will tell me now, like, when they talk about their favorite things in school, like, we did this really cool project. I'm like, I know, project-based teaching at that age, middle school, high school. It's like, it's so cool. And those are things I have distinct memories about and can recall things I learned through the project. So I think that's maybe why too. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. um, subconsciously I did that. But it's interesting. One of my, the reason I went into early ed or education, because I don't think before this, I thought education. Before mine was dental hygienist. That's what I was going to do was going. And again, that was for me, the money, of course, you know, (laughs) too. It's like, that's pretty decent money for being a hygienist. You know, I can do that. And um, hopefully not a ton of blood. If there's blood, it's contained, right? Right. And you can suck it up. (laughs) (laughs) I could handle this. And then I had an extra study hall. And they didn't like that you had two study halls. So they wanted you to fill your time doing something. And so they... I said, do you want to go down in the kindergarten classrooms and help out down there? I'm like, sure. I always loved kids. So mm-hmm. that was fine with me. And so I worked down there and helped out. And I still remember, and you don't know this, but before uh, when we opened, there was a teacher that worked for us. Her name is Christy Kringle. And she, there's connection with um, our owners of the company and them and her. So that's how it got uh, to be sure. her connected with Cultivate. And she was the kindergarten teacher at the time. And I remember her coming to me and saying, 
I heard you say that you were going for a dental hygienist. And she goes, are you sure? She's like, I'm pretty sure this is what you should be doing. You know, kind of just. How cool. She, yeah, she wasn't, uh, you know, rude about it in any way. She's very nice. Just like, let, just letting you know you got something here. You know, uh -huh. this is this is your thing. I really think you should think about that. And then before you know it, I'm in education. And 14, 15 years later, I'm working with her. Like, wow. isn't that crazy? Like, I yeah. walk into, because initially how I started at Cultivate Mankato was as hired as a trainer. Okay. For a pyramid model. So I was hired to come in and do that training. And I walk in and there's Christy Kringle, <laughs> the woman. <laughs> told me I had to go in the career. I'm like, what is going on? Like full circle. Oh, uh, and then that. I end up working here and I'm working with her. I'm like, oh, how cool is this? So, so yeah. So it's so crazy. Like those little trickles of people that might yeah. say something. I feel like in this field, that's kind of what it is. It's just, you know, those people to help kind of guide your path and your fate and where you should be going that see something in you. And yeah. It's like, yeah, you got this, you know, so. Oh, how neat is that? Yeah. So that's kind of my background as far as in the field. But in college, like I said, our, I went to uh, Minnesota State University, Mankato. And at that time, the early education uh, program is not there any longer, but it was there when I graduated, and it was a great program. And I remember distinctly, there was a good group of ladies I graduated with and went through the program with, and it was a really fun and great program. So I love that. We need more of that. Yep, lots more. Okay, so let's see. When, during your college experience, what would you say uh, was most challenging uh, and what was most surprising to you. So even within the most challenging, um, obviously you might've had a lot of <laughs> challenges personally <laughs> moving through college and life. Uh, but anything in regards to the classes or you felt like there was parts of it working through that program that you either felt really frustrated or challenged with in the, within the program. Yeah. So these kind of go hand in hand with challenging and surprising was once I was so far into the program, um, it was really hard learning the book side of teaching. And what I mean by that is just learning how to teach off of a book and mm. different things they suggest and tell you about teaching and the experiences that I had in the classroom before student teaching were very minimal. And so they were like 40 hours or 32 hours. And so I found it really challenging to learn how to become a teacher and knowing in a year from now I'd hopefully being licensed as a teacher and expected to know what to do with having such limited experience in the actual field. Mm -hmm. And I know that's with a lot of things you get good at what you're doing by experiencing it. And yeah. I just think that with education, I just would have assumed they were going to be putting me in a classroom way more okay. before student teaching. Sure. challenging part for me was just learning the book Tell me side. a little bit about the book side. What do you tell me more about that? So uh, I know a few of my classes would want me to read about how to take different tallies for reading and um, okay. documenting um, different like emergent reader okay. or however many levels of readers there is or even just learning about different play areas that you would have in a classroom. So you would read about those or read about social-emotional parts or different development areas. You would read about all of it, and then class would end. And Gotcha. That's all you would – you would just retain knowledge. But then okay. when you go into the classroom, I feel like it's completely different. Okay. And a lot of our textbooks were very outdated. And so it wasn't with the new and the upcoming 
um, things that are happening in actual classrooms. So that was also really challenging was I read about something and then now I'm getting put in a practicum for 32 hours that has nothing to do with what Interesting. I was reading about. I remember one of my practicums was in a Head Start program mm-hmm. and it was like, let's just meet the basic needs of these children here. Yeah. And so I was like, I didn't read anything about meeting the basic needs of children in my book. Like, Yeah, I, I know how to teach them. Right. But they need their basic needs met first before yeah. I can ever teach them. We yeah. got to back up here. Right. Yep. And so that was like a big eye opening. I was like, why didn't we not talk about that children need to have full bellies and mm. need to have feel safe before I can teach them anything? Or that that's part of learning. Right. Where was that part missed? Sure. Yeah. That makes so sense. that was like really, really challenging, I would have to say. So do you remember the names of a lot of your classes Um, by chance, just out of curiosity? I could easily find the names. <laughs> Were, and another question as you're looking for it, but yeah. uh, do you remember much being on uh, sensory? No. Nope. So okay. So you don't remember really learning about the sensory systems or much. Okay. Nope. Do you remember learning about special ed and that program and how that works? So I took one class that was in my program for um, individualized learning. Okay. Um, but I actually have a minor in special education. So okay. aside from that minor, I just had that one class. Okay. But with my minor, I did lots of lots of different areas of special needs and how to easily track um, and easily document yep. different behaviors and whatnot okay. with that minor, Okay, if that answers your question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about um, anything with psychology or behaviors? Um, yeah, I did have psychology to education, but that was a lot about the the people in psychology. So... Vygotsky and Piaget. And then we, I remember at the end of that class, we had a big presentation where we had to either make up someone or if we knew someone and go through their psych of sociology and um, highlight each of these different people and how their practice Hmm. fit in with whatever they were going through in their life. Okay. So it wasn't really transferring it to children yeah no that piece okay yeah okay not at all but one of these classes that i had was infant slash toddler program and practices okay so you would have thought i would have got lots of yeah meeting the basics there another one discovery learning okay one of my classes names um another one Reading and writing methods, pre-K. It's pretty crazy, like just as you're Mm -hmm. saying those titles. So speaking of classes, and now that you're in the field, if you were to create a class, Mm. college course, that would be added to the early education program you went through, what would it be? I would love to create a class that was on the logistics of teaching. So going over what you would do when the children get in into your walk into your classroom what would you mm. do or talk about 
how you handle pickup times. How, what do you communicate oh, with the parent? Logistics 101. Yeah. That's what I wish I would have known prior to starting. Or like room management, room functioning. Yeah. like Yeah. Like the logistics of teaching. Yeah. I would. How do I run a room? Mm-hmm. Starting from when the child enters to when the child leaves and then at nighttime when you still get yeah messages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not only logistics of the day in the classroom. Full but 24 hours. Logistics of balancing <laughs> work life. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like it. All right. We're on to something there. So that would be a good one. And, you know, that would be something that it would be interesting to find out how do we go about that how do you take people that have left the college experience gotten that degree possibly license and go into the classroom and how do you modify for the changes of what's going on in there so they're being prepared and feeling prepared because i know that's what they want right that's what that's definitely what what those professors want and colleges want is prepare you for the workforce that's what it's all about And I'm just curious, you know, do you remember any like surveys that have come since then or that you are aware of? Because maybe they've sent surveys, but any connection to their program and what you're experiencing now Mm -hmm. in the field and making a connection to it? Well, I remember at the end of my student teaching, they sent out a survey explaining how it prepared us for student teaching. But other than that, not. And did you feel prepared for student teaching? To a certain extent. Like I just, I'm, and again, not to call out um, the degree in the college you went to, but more just where did the change really, the shift really happen? Was it like, yes, as soon as I got in the classrooms and started the experience, I didn't feel prepared? Or was it more like, no, when I went off and I was on my own, like that's when it hit me? No. So with my student teaching, the one I was in a preschool classroom for the first like 10 weeks, I only went two days a week. And then the last six weeks of the semester, that's when I was full student teaching. And so- Prior to full student teaching, I would have class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I would student teach, quote unquote, Tuesday, Thursday. So then we would talk about what I was experiencing. I was in say, the what classroom. do you mean, quote unquote? Are you not student teaching? Right. Like, so you were, you were kind of the teacher was still teaching, okay. and I was kind of an assistant teacher, gotcha. learning what the teacher does, okay. mm-hmm. learning how they still help all the children. Okay, are those first? half of the first it was more than half it was like 10 okay. weeks i'm pretty sure semester okay. was 16 weeks long so the first 10 weeks i was only there two days a week and then okay. the last six weeks i was full the teacher you and then you got to step in as the teacher yep and do you so when i did my field experience uh i always had the professor that was part of that class field experience kind of monitoring following up as well as the classroom teacher there to answer questions and guide me and stuff. And is, is that kind of the same as what you experienced? They, or did the classroom teacher just walk out and you led the class? Or they're <laughs> um, like, Ooh, we're on break for <laughs> six weeks. Great. So my first student teaching, so I did two student teaching experiences. The first one was fall semester. And that was my early childhood student teaching. And the teacher then acted as the assistant I was very lucky that she didn't walk out on me and say I'm having a break. Um, I don't think that's what they do. Just trying to add a little humor, people. It's not um, really what happens. So, yeah, and she was wonderful. And I was very close with her and very comfortable asking her questions that came up. And my 
teacher, I think she like observed me two or three times. She didn't okay. get to come in every single time I was there just because of COVID. Sure. And as in your professor. Okay. Yep. Yep. My professor. And yeah, so she observed me a few times, but before student, before Monday through Friday student teaching, um, I would then go to her class on Wednesday the next day. Like, okay. went to teach Tuesday, and then Wednesday we would talk about it. And then I would teach Thursday, and then we would talk about it on Friday. Gotcha. But Did once you feel I, like you could give good feedback during those sessions about how things are going and how you were feeling? Um, or was it pretty, we're, we have a rubric, so we're going by this, we're not really going Yeah, it. it was definitely, she would more or less bring up a topic, and then if we had anything to chime okay. into it, then that's when we would express okay. what we were experiencing with that topic. Okay. So they may be able to get an idea right. of what you guys yeah. are experiencing from that um, field experience and getting feedback from you there. Okay. So second semester, I was full student teaching, supposed to be from the get-go. However, each week, we took it week by week, and each week I added on something more than I was doing. So I was there the full week, but as the weeks went on, then by like the end of the month, I was teaching everything. Okay. So that's kind of how I eased into taking over everything. And my professor, once again, because of COVID, I got to record myself. Yeah, I forgot. As you said COVID, I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. right. You spent some of your college in COVID yes. mode. And so that semester, I got to record myself teaching. And I would have to send my I actually didn't even, it wasn't even a professor, it was a liaison. Oh. I would send my liaison the videos and she would watch them and let Have me know. you like in front of the class? Like yep. someone would be recording you doing that? Okay. Yep. Or we would, we would prop up an iPad sure. and that was how she observed me. Yeah. Do you remember being deathly afraid as you were left I to just manage recorded a lot the kids? Videos. Well, just I'm thinking like Lee teaching. You I did everything. Remember. I still remember, like, <laughs> again, I don't have the best memory, but I have one vivid memory. I did one of my student teachings in the kindergarten classroom. Mm. And I remember sitting there and the kids were, I was doing a lesson. They were at the rug. So whatever I was doing was mm. just there. A reading lesson, maybe, or something. A lecture. And I still remember some of the behaviors that would start to pop up and stuff oh. and just be like, oh, it's like sweating. Like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, where'd she go? She's going to help me. I'm going to lose total control. Oh my God. <laughs> so like for me, who d- does a lot with behaviors now and yeah. managing classrooms and things, it's like, I think back to those like days of in the kindergarten classroom of my student teaching and just like freaking out about behaviors and things like that. So yeah, it's making me think back to my student teaching days. So I I student taught kindergarten and our classroom was very full of fun personalities and my cooperating teacher her name is Becky Lear she always told me just gaining more experience for you on how to deal with x y and z because we it felt like we had everything in the book of behavior in that classroom and so okay. um, she always tried after the fact give me a little mini lesson on on the behavior and whatnot and so i was really thankful for all the behaviors because i felt like i i didn't get a lot of firsthand behaviors from the books and so yeah i would i just looked at it in a mindset of being really grateful for behaviors because once i am on my own it's gonna be for me to figure out
Do you feel like she even understood some of the behaviors or do you feel like there was time just like she's even just doing the best she can she may she doesn't really understand or know like how do you think that went when you would talk to her about the behaviors i mean do you feel like she was pretty knowledgeable and doing it or she kind of like i don't know i'm just doing the best i can <laughs> surviving I think with certain behaviors um she was spot on with, okay and she felt you could tell she was very confident in how to handle those okay. behaviors but there was definitely the other side of behaviors where it was just trying to advocate that what she needed in her classroom and yeah. it was really like really just me is not enough i need more yeah and that was it was really she's a she's so amazing i like would go on my knees and <laughs> just fan her because she is amazing um just fan her not just, just her toes her. i mean we no. won't go that far people <laughs> right but. I mean, the the level of advocacy that she would do for those kids spoke volumes. And so it didn't make, obviously, being in the classroom with them any easier because it felt like nothing was happening yeah. um, or no change was happening. And that was really exhausting. But every day we walked in the day like it was a new day and every child was a new child. And so I think both our mindsets were aligned like that. And so... And do you feel like your mindset was like that already kind of? And it was just nice to have someone that felt the same way? Or do you feel like, no, my mindset was not there. It I got that from her. Um, I definitely think in in various classes, we always talk about the burnout in teaching. Yep. And so I luckily have a very optimistic mindset. And so I kind of knew that I wanted to look for positives and start every day on a on an end or start every day with a high note mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't sure how to do that and okay so having her really be show example. me and be that example it were we would literally walk in the door together and we're like it's here we go spraying invisible water and I said it's a new a new <laughs> day yeah so I think definitely having her built that confidence in me to walk in every day and walk into our classroom fresh oh, and with that clean mindset for sure yeah. Well, thank you to her for yeah. being a good example. So you mentioned that you talk about burnout. So mm-hmm. just to clarify, did you talk about burnout as in college you had classes or hence you talked about that? Or do you just mean in general like we do? Um, no, definitely. Because we talk about it here too. So. In classes, it was very obvious. I remember taking a class, I think it was intro to education. And she was like, if you make it out of this class still wanting to go into education, then I've done my job right. And so it was a lot of expressing hmm. that education isn't easy and that it is hard. And she just laid out, here's probably what's going to happen. obviously motivating at the same time because yeah. she wanted you. That was her goal was to still want to be in it. Okay. Yeah. And so then eventually she would turn it around to now here are the amazing things that you get out of education. Okay, cool. Um, I like it. Yeah. So it was, it was a really interesting class and... She's like, we obviously know you didn't go in here for the money. And we obviously know you didn't I go in that. here. What was the name of that class again? Intro to Education. Intro to Education. It was like and the very first class that you had to take. So it was. Well, they were thinking there. Like, let's get this yeah, done right now. Right. <laughs> Thank goodness. But. Let's put it all out. Yeah. Yeah. And if you still want to, knowing all that, if you still want to go forward with it, then love, love it. More yeah. power to you. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So you get your degree. Yay. Woohoo. <laughs> now to move on even from that, if 
people did not know this fun fact, but you can have a education degree and a teaching license. They're two separate things. So to get a license, you might have to have a certain degree. So there's prerequisites or things you need to have done. So there are people that will maybe just go get the degree in education, whatever um, field it is. Most people, um, elementary, high school, middle school, that age, they will get the license because most of them want to go into a uh, public school or a school where you need to have the licensure. Uh, But something that happens a lot in the early childhood degree is that you may go into a position where you might not need the license, for instance, into a childcare setting. Uh, The degree is great. And to have that background, that on your resume might be enough. You might not have to go that step further to do the license. uh, And some people decide to do it and some people don't. So, Katie, did you decide to do the license and tell us a little bit about what that experience was like getting your teaching license for early education? Yes. So I have a license. I am licensed to teach birth through third grade. So it's zero years to eight years. Getting that license, you had to get your degree. That was definitely the prerequisite. And then you had to go into these testing buildings and I had to take four separate tests that they were each an hour long and it was the most standardized test that you can get. It was multiple choice. Are they called praxis tests by chance? Yes. I feel like that's what mine was. Funny. (laughs) Yeah. And so there was, I remember two of the tests were like education related and two of them were more psychology related. Okay. And so... I remember going back to my one class about psychology and reading all my notes beforehand. <laughs> but yeah, Fresh so enough. it was it was fifty minutes, sixty questions for each each test, and then you got your results right as you walked out the door. Okay, so it was intimidating, but I was like, I can handle this if this is what is going to get me a license. <laughs> yeah, and you knew you wanted the license. Like, did it ever cross your mind not to get a license as no. you went through the degree? Okay. Nope. I and I don't know if it's just I've. I mean, my professors were very good about explaining where to go get the where so to, to take them. The it was just part of it. Yep. Like it, they didn't really make it seem like you're you might not. It was just part of it. Yep. Okay. And all my classmates, we always tried to go in and take the test together as moral support for one yeah. another. Yep. So yeah, we. It was. I think it would have been more weird to not get okay. the license. Okay. And so. Thankfully, we all passed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it takes so, some for some people. Yep, it's it's uh, quite interesting for some that get really stuck on some of those. And there's obviously tutors and books and things that yeah. kind of help you get ready for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, and so I I honestly went into it kind of winging it, aside from looking at my notes from some classes, um, but just kind of hoping for the best. And I was like, this will be my ground zero. <laughs> depending on how i do i will just modify how much i am studying and yeah so i don't know if i asked this or if you covered it when you went into the degree Mm -hmm. i'm going to college for early education what did you want to do with that like when someone said well what are you going to do with it i knew like what was in your mind this is the job i'm i want i didn't i don't think i ever had a specific job that i wanted okay i just knew i wanted to teach 
I wanted okay. to teach kids. I loved being in front of children. I loved making children laugh. I loved connecting with children. Okay. So you didn't know school district, Head Start, child care, like nothing in, was, no. in your mind was not going there at all. Nope. And I, I kind of wanted to stay that way and stay open because I didn't want to get disappointed if I really wanted something and I didn't get it. But I also just want really wanted to feel out various places and where I thought I could do my best work at. Sure. So. An experience. Yeah. And especially with a lot of the experience you get during your classes and field experience to kind of just feel like what, what's my jam? What am I really feeling here? That's going to fill my bucket. And I thought it was this, but now, I mean, there's so many people that, you know, talk to that get frustrated with like, I thought this is what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like my life is a whirlwind because I don't think it is. And they're just, they don't even know what to do with themselves because it's like, it's okay. So yeah, so kind of that mentality of I'm just going with it and seeing where it takes me. So very cool. All right. So we have a degree. We have a license. We're on cloud nine. Now it's time (laughs) to find a job to pay back the bills. So uh, tell us a little bit about what it was like for you to find a job. Yes. So finding a job, I will admit it was very, what's the right word I want to use? It was very... Drumroll, please. <laughs> it was kind of eye-opening. Okay. Um, in a sense of I was living in Moorhead, Minnesota, and I knew we were not staying in Moorhead, Minnesota. And I had okay. just spent three years gaining all these connections and sure. all my foot in the doors in multiple places, all my people that would have wrote me recommendation letters and references and whatnot. I was moving... I knew I was, wasn't was going to be staying there. We weren't sure where we were moving. It kind of just depended on my boyfriend, now fiancé at the time, where he was going to school okay. next. Uh, once we figured out that we were moving to Mankato, I just started the job hunt and really just Google searching and trying to find something that looked appealing to me, something that would... How did you know what looked appealing? I, <laughs> Google does wonders. So definitely websites. So looking at different childcare settings for sure was the first thing that I looked at. I look, there's so many different childcare settings in Mankato. So just looking at their website. So you just went on to childcare uh, center websites. Yep. And just looked at them. Yep. Okay. And so then um, after looking at like seven of them, I was like, well, that was kind of overwhelming. And so I reached out to an old adult friend yeah um that had moved to mankato and she had, had kids had kids so you and, knew she would kind of have an idea yep. yep and so i knew she was from the same time i grew up from and then she moved to mankato so i knew that she would know what i had experienced growing sure. up and whatnot and so i reached out to her and i was like i just graduated i had my license like do you recommend yeah. any child care centers to apply at and she said hands down Caldwell Mankato I toured a lot of centers and this was by far like an outstanding childcare center and I was like okay well the website did look the best so <laughs> website maybe check. I will just try them and honestly I was going into it really hopeful but not really sure because I was like am I going to meet their expectations of what they're looking for because sure. it was the website was very organized very yeah, very organized is the best way that I can 
describe it. And it looked put together. It Presented looked, well. Yep. Yeah, it was very presented well. So I was like, I will just apply and fingers crossed that something will happen. So I applied there and then I looked at the Mankato area public schools. Okay. And they're opening and I knew this from let me backtrack. I knew from my student teaching experience that even if they have teacher positions open in different grades that they don't necessarily post them on their website because they try to fill them with teachers that are around first before posting them. And so when I looked at the Mankato area public schools open positions, I knew that it was probably a possibility that there wasn't going to be a posting for what I would want. And I was correct. There was like Lee Janitor, the high school swimming coach. And so (laughs) I was like, definitely not doing any of those. And so I kind of just took that as a sign as that's just not where I was meant to go. And Next thing you know, it it was literally within 24 hours. I had an email from Cultivate Mankato to Mm -hmm. set up an interview. And I was like, whoa, that was amazing. Like, let's And that was your first application you First application, the only application that I did. And I was truly on cloud nine. I was like, well, this is my calling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is where I'm hopefully going. Yep. And so I did a Zoom interview. Of course, COVID. And yep, COVID was playing very nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'll never forget in Moorhead, there's tons of trains. I don't know if you've ever run up there, Uh -uh. but I remember. I was like, she's not going to hire me because there's a train in the background. That's what you were thinking. It's horn. I was like, oh my goodness, like worst impression ever. Obviously, nothing I can control. Yes. And obviously, we know that well working in this field. (laughs) So many things out of our control. Yeah. And so I did the interview and I was like, well, I think I did okay. It was the first interview that I've ever done. Yeah. And so then I just hoped a lot. (laughs) Within a few days, I got an email back saying that they would love to offer me a position. And yeah. So do you feel like it was the interview? And again, this might be for some people that are in the process here of doing this. Uh, was the interview what you thought it would be? What like is it what you thought they would ask and be curious about? Or um, do you remember much about that? Um, yes and no. I the questions were probably spot on from what I was expecting. However, I was always told that the interview is going to be with more than one person, and so I was oh, expecting okay. more than just the director. I sure. don't know who was going to be in the interview with us, <laughs> other than the director. But I, I felt comfortable that it was just mm-hmm. one person and I was like okay we can handle this yeah. and then Candace made me feel very comfortable and so then I was like okay we're good hopefully yeah. Yeah. well and I think sometimes what I've noticed about process of interviews and even just how ours has evolved is there may be multiple people you end up talking to but one at a time yep so you might have the screener there might be a person that you go to first, you know, sure. just to kind of some basic questions, get to know, yep, I'm feeling this person. This is, then I'm going to pass you on, you know, yes. to Candace or someone else. Then it's Candace you talk to or the director or whoever else. So sometimes I feel like sometimes there might be multiple people, right. but maybe not. But yeah, um, I'm the same boat as you. I walked into a table full of maybe eight people. So yes. And it was like in this U shape, right? Uh And there's me in the one little chair (laughs) in front of all of them and their table. And I was like, OMG. Yes. Yeah. I never experienced that. No, that was like horrifying. Be happy you didn't. But no, they were were fine. But yeah, just to have that. And I think that's 
in my mind when I think about interviews, is that really what you want? Right. People to feel horrified? Like, because you are, are you really getting Very themselves? I mean, I guess yeah. you could say, well, I'm finding out how they deal under pressure. Sure. But I just, I, I think about that all the time. It's like, how did I come off in that interview? Was I really even right. like who I am now? You know, feeling mm-hmm. more natural and comfortable. So yes, in essence, I feel like it's best just to have it set up in a way that you feel most, com- most comfortable because that's who who mm-hmm. you're going to get. So very good. Yeah, that was fun. So that, and so you've been at Cultivate since, and that yes. is, are you about a, you're over a year. I'm, I'm just over a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we are very happy to have you. So I'm glad it all worked out. And I'm glad our website was amazing. Thank yeah. you, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, there it is. So I want to talk a little bit about, because that's a big objective of the podcast as well, is now that you are in the position and in the field, how, when you reflect on what I learned in college going into the field, how do you feel like that all aligned? And what is your reflection as how it, how did it prepare you? I mean, we touched on this a little bit. So mm-hmm. is anything else you want to add? And what, what did you not feel prepared for? So any anything more you want to add to that when we talk about reflecting on that piece of it? Yeah. So I think with my college experience and going into other classrooms, I think there's a level that a lot of different places hit on and it's just the connecting with children Um, every place you have to connect with children and i think each different center has their own groove or their own passion that they have Mm, and so i think it's just whether that that groove or that focus or that passion that they have if that's something that you can really adapt to i guess Mm, i like that so for me Coming to Cultivate Mankato, there was no center that I had taught in or no classroom that I had taught in that was remotely so passionate about social-emotional development. And so for me, however, I was able to adapt and go like head over heels for that part in Cultivate Mankato. Which was something you were excited about. Yes. Right? Like yeah, I was, was very excited okay. about that. That and aligned with what you were passionate about. Yes. Okay. And the more that I learned about that development area, the more I became passionate about sure. it. And the more I wanted to get my feet wet with it. And the more that I wanted to experience it. And so, so in a way, I feel like my degree taught me or my schooling taught me to kind of go into it with an open mind and just mm. feel like connect with the children and then feel out how how is this classroom like so a to lot be of run. like the culture yes is that kind of what am I if I'm hearing it yeah, right yeah that's like a great can, word to you can kind of like it. go into a center or a school and just feel the culture and to yep. you that was a big deal yes like what is the culture like here what are as you said too what are what are we emphasizing what are we really yep. focusing on here okay yeah so I feel like different centers have their their different focuses and whether you can adapt to that focus or adapt to that passion of theirs yeah i feel like is really going to make or break you especially in an early childcare center okay so i mean yeah i think my schooling somewhat prepared me for that with the different experiences and eventually after experiencing different centers learning that what i have heard as a reflection when it comes to early childhood uh, programming and degrees 
that are the biggest challenge is outside of public school, which they, especially when you can go by state, they have their standards in place, right? So you know what you are getting into. Yeah. You know this is math. You can teach that, right? Mm -hmm. A professor can go and teach Minnesota State math standards and reading standards. And I can tell you how to do this, right? So there you can feel really prepared. These are some really big curriculums that are common ones. Let's talk about those. You go into the early childhood world (laughs) and it's endless, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I feel like that is my reflection on where the struggle is. Like, how do you, you go into, it doesn't matter, each center could have a different curriculum. Mm -hmm. So to know curriculum is really hard for a college to teach to, right? Oh, yeah. So where do we, do we do this more foundational thing? So I think my opinion is that's where they struggle is, is they teach so many foundational things because they're not sure how in right. depth to go because depending yeah. on where that person goes, you ended up at Cultivate My Kiddo. Yeah. Our foundation is pyramid model, social emotional development. What if your class totally focused on math and reading and not saying that's not important, but if that's all you knew and that was your thing and then you came here, you're like, wow, I am not prepared. <laughs> yeah. But if you went somewhere else, that's all they did, I'm prepared. Right. So it's such a hard standard you know, that is put there. So I think that's part of it, which within the early childhood field is also fun Mm -hmm. because there is so much availability. It's like, what do you want to do? You don't have all these very strict standards of you need mapping. This is what you're going to do every day. This is what you're going to say. This is how you're going to say it. And this is the test you're going to get all of that. So, which is great for people that don't want that. The early childhood field is amazing, but it also makes it very hard to teach to and very hard to make that have have that person feel prepared to go to into so you also have to have the personality where if you've got the foundational skills to learn and in there that you can get put into any setting and learn right just dive into it and learn if you're not a person you're like if you're a person like no i want to go into a center that i know exactly what to do going to be a little bit right we're both uh, laughing good luck uh, yep so i think that's something important yeah. for people if they're even exploring mm-hmm. and maybe for the people that's that are, a great point yeah mm-hmm. that are exploring i think that is a trait you have to have yep is that you have to have a love for learning which is great mm-hmm. but even adult learning you're right. yourself learning that you have to be able to step into something and be like i have to be prepared to not know everything yeah and not have a lot of competencies ready but am I willing to learn it and put a little a little extra work into it so that I can fit into this because I like this culture and this is where I want to be. But I know I'm not prepared for it. So I'm going to have to learn a little bit more. And that's what we hope too, you know, within Cultivate Mankato is to expand that a little bit so that mm-hmm. when people come in, we know you may not know mm-hmm. a ton about social emotional development and behaviors and sensory or all those things that are really big passions, but it's okay. We're going to teach you. Yep. So I think that's kind of, again, where we come from with that revolutionized childcare is that I think is really cool. And this is my background coming from years of being in a public school as well. Mm -hmm. And it is that we are open to that. And then you as a person going into the field and trying to Mm -hmm. find a job, you can pick and choose. You don't have to be like, I don't know what to do because within the public school district, I don't like this piece of it or that. It's like, well, it doesn't matter any public school other than a little bit of the culture. 
um, as far as just within it and how they interact or relationships uh, might feel differently. But in general, this is what you're going to do. So that's what I think is cool. And I love hearing your story too, um, about how even just your experience of going in different child cares or the different settings as you did your experiences and clinicals mm-hmm. is you just had that feeling and you kind of quickly learn like this is their basis. And yeah. do I like that or not that I can, but you're gonna have to build. Mm-hmm. You have to be open to building. So I love that too. It's almost like a little flexibility with vulnerability. You have to have both of them. Yeah. To yeah, to be open to to be like I I know I don't know everything, right? But I'm open to, mm-hmm. and being really coachable is you know we talk about that a lot too. As me as a coach within the organization is you have to be open to being like I don't know everything and it's okay. Yep, I'm here to learn as well, just like the children, you know. And we're gonna learn together, a parallel process. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot about that a lot too. So that's awesome. Um, I love that story, and that makes me really think a lot about that. Yeah, and I know going back to. Uh, Public schools. I remember when I was student teaching, we had a pacing guide. So you had to hit these mm-hmm. certain things every single week. And yeah, it was called a ma- mapping. Mapping. Curriculum yeah. mapping. Yeah. So these were called pacing guides. And it was, we had to do everything we could to get what we needed to get done for that day. Otherwise, we would fall behind and it's very hard to catch back up. And yeah. Yeah. That's tough. And, and that, I mean, you get that. You get the objective is that you've got some goals. We're trying to get there. Right. But man, when though, when there's so many aspects outside of your control right, that will yeah. affect that, it it puts it all on the teacher. Uh, but unfortunately, things that are out of the control of the teacher. Yeah. But it's all on their shoulder and their burden. You it's know? crazy to me how yeah. that all, <laughs> that world. So there is a lot of things within childcare world that are hard and that weigh on you. Um, so of course there's good and bad, you know, in each section, you know, there may be some things in elementary that, oh, we don't have to deal with (laughs) diapering (laughs) or toilet training or things like that, or some just basic skills of, okay, let's just talk about sharing here. Could we just ask, could we just say, oh, it's amazing how taking turns really works out well, doesn't it? Or asking, right? The simple act of asking. Using our words. Using our words. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, so there's, but it's still hard. And there's still some things. So we all have pieces of it as a teacher that um, aspects to teaching that are hard and to get through. So, all right, we're trailing off. We're getting on our tangents. So what do you feel like from college and your degree coming in the position and reflecting on now a little over a year in the position? What do you feel most prepared for? I think I felt most prepared for the professional side of it. Hmm. and what I mean by that is... I totally thought you were going to say reading stories. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, well, I did feel prepared going into reading stories <laughs> for you, sure. Aaron. Thank you, Erin. But professional, okay. the reason why I say that is because through different experiences, before every experience, we had a meeting about what to wear, what shoes oh, to wear, just how your appearance and body language would affect you in so the classroom. Cool. And so knowing that I felt really prepared and also I mean they even talked about I know Moorhead's right next to Fargo and that's a really big city but you never know who's sitting behind you at a restaurant so be careful when you're talking about what your experience is and so I feel like that was like spot on and I would say you show that so thank you I would agree for Thanks. sure. But you just, you never know. Is that just the person that their parents taught them that? Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that is that a trait that your parents just always taught you? Or did you learn that in school or a combination? So. Yeah. And I think 
with the importance that they emphasized. And it was, I mean, every different practicum was a different person telling you that. So it wasn't sure. just like one person was really hounding us. The program on. in general. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so also it was the professors that you loved that were telling you, you know, you want to put your best and foot forward. And they were forward. modeling and, that. Yeah. And so that was definitely. Nice. Yeah. I felt good about that. So did you, I have to ask, did you do a lot of lesson planning? I did. Yep. And it was called EdTPA lesson planning. EdTPA. Okay. Big old abbreviation. That was very scary. And the lesson plan for each lesson minimum was five pages long. OMG. And confession time once again. During student teaching for every lesson that you teach, you're supposed to do an EdTPA lesson plan for. I did not do that. <laughs> I'm confessing right now. Um, the resume sorry, is dried. Professor, the ink is if there. you're listening to this by any means. No, I actually, I did the lesson planning for my cooperating teacher in their one-page document about the whole week, and we counted that as me lesson planning. But <laughs> you're supposed to, did you ever have to do that at TPA? I don't think so. I mean, I did a lot of lesson planning, but I don't remember that acronym. Um thankfully now so now with early childhood programs in the state of minnesota that i hear you have to pass what's called edtpa so you get your degree but before you get your degree you have to pass edtpa to get your degree well my year of being in the covid year of when i was graduating that got exempt so there's all these different components that are very lengthy and it's all components of a lesson plan all components of a lesson plan wow very in-depth it could be a 10-minute lesson and you're mm-hmm. you're writing an EdTPA lesson yes. plan for it. But I got exempt from doing this EdTPA thing, but we were still encouraged to lesson plan, but we weren't required to submit anything. Okay. And so I definitely <laughs> took advantage of that. Advantage of that <laughs> to its fullest. And my cooperating teacher felt comfortable and I confessed that to my liaison later. And so it's all good. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, Did you confess to your priest? Did you do uh, <laughs> so, Yeah. That we did lots and lots of lesson planning. Oh, man. That is what I – and I remember all of us in the program being so upset and like, why do we have to do these? Because I remember them being very long, too. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm, I don't remember any of mine being five pages long, but for sure a page long. It was like – so I remember – I like I said, I don't remember the term of that, but I do know that we did a lot of different components of it, and they mm-hmm. all had to be in there. And – when I reflect back, and I don't know if if only a year of being in the field, you feel the same way, but for any of those people out there chugging through, <laughs> doing those lesson plans, keep doing them. Yes. Because, yes, you will have to do lesson plans. They might not be that extravagant, but what I felt it did for me is it ingrained it right? Mm-hmm. What we talk about creating those pathways. Yep. So now when I am thinking about any lesson, any activity with the kids, I'm automatically thinking those things. And that's why they did it. Yep. They just have you repeatedly do them because I knew I'm like, there's no way I'm going into the field and have to do these every day for every activity I'm doing. There's no way. Yep. And of course, you know, like uh, for me, I was going to go into kindergarten because that was my dream job. And I knew I was going to have a curriculum that had the book mm-hmm. all done and it would tell mm-hmm. me exactly what to do and exactly what to say. <laughs> so I knew, but what I loved about it now thinking back is it helped me understand mm. the importance of it to be prepared. Yep. 
and to know what I'm doing, how I'm adapting a lesson, what I'm gonna need for it. So I get it now, you know, but at the time, man, those were no fun. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. Well, I do have to say that going through the long lesson plans, I mean, I can go on Pinterest and I can pin so many objectives to and yeah. figure out what I'm hitting with that, with that craft or that jumping skill or whatever it may be. It's so easy to identify and just quick figure out what I want to do. Yeah, comes a lot easier. Yeah. And if I hadn't done all that lesson planning, I would have no idea what to look for and yeah. what I was going to teach, especially without having a strict pacing guide yeah. or um, standards that I had to hit at this week at this time with whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely think those long lesson plans paid off in the sense when I did the long lesson plans, it taught me a lot. Yeah. So we're both sitting here grunting going, fine. Yeah. Yes, you were right. <laughs> we needed do to it. do them. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're going to have a couple questions here that are uh, just some general in the field questions, we'll call them. Straight from the field. That's what I'm going to call them. So within the field of, we're just going to say early education, what do you feel like you debate the most in regards to that? So when you think about ask people talking to you about your field and your work or what you feel like you get really worked up about and you're like, this is not okay. What do you, what would you like to debate about within your field? Um, I debate constantly that I'm more than a daycare provider. My mother was a daycare provider. Mm, and so that word daycare. Yes. Just in general. Okay. It gets my bud blood boiling just because I have put in a lot of effort, a lot of schooling, a lot yeah. of experience and <laughs> love you mom so much. Love you. But she didn't do any of that. Sure. And she did daycare in her home and mm -hmm. she loved it. She was it. probably wonderful. And she was it. she was yep. great. But she didn't make lesson plans every week. She didn't sure. have meetings. She didn't yeah. get observed. Individualized for children. None of that. Do developmental checklist, observations, no. documentation. None? none. None of it. And so having the knowledge that I have and doing conferences and doing all those extra things that are very parallel to other teachers. A school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Just being called a daycare is like the biggest yeah. slap in the face. Yeah. And I think now, as a mother, I always tell anyone who I'm talking to, even the doctor's office, what happens at school. I always call it school. Yay. And they will always talk, and then they'll throw daycare back at me. And then I'm like, at school, he <laughs> he's X, Y, and Z. And um, now my mom will so even touch herself. So you're just kind of passive-aggressive with oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and now my mom and my sister know that it's school. Yeah. And I'm like, at school, here's what Jack did. Mm -hmm. And that's... And just so you guys all know, Jack is her baby son, yes. her infant son, and he still goes to school. Too. And he still goes to school, and his teachers are amazing. And I almost think now having him, it's more of a debate because even more, wow. And I don't know if I'm just advocating for his teachers necessarily because you know how it feels. Oh yeah, completely. And so whenever a conversation gets brought up, I am always like, he goes to school and. 
this is what he does and then i'll sometimes show him or show them what he did and the objective they put with it or what they did with him and they're like oh like my example my sister-in-law brings her kids to a daycare and it's nothing compared to what jack is experiencing here or i don't want to say the proof but the the proof that i have of it documentation yeah yes mm-hmm. um so yeah i definitely think that's okay. that is the biggest debate um, so for you the term to it and i think uh what's hard with it is that mother nature agrees yes mother nature is thundering <laughs> above us right now just so you know so that was really creepy <laughs> We hear the thunder rolling, like she's getting upset too. Um, And I put this out there because I do wholeheartedly think there are some people that aren't meaning to be offensive. So to put it Mm -hmm. out there, I know there are some of you, when you say daycare, you are totally not saying daycare to be offensive. But it's just, I think this again is spreading awareness Yeah, to understand that from Katie even sharing, like to hear someone say she works at a daycare when she has a degree and a license, it's hurtful. And so I know you're probably not wanting to be offensive, but it is. So just mm-hmm. something to think of, right? Yeah. We're just spreading awareness that, you know, that's important to some people to know that they're doing more than just watching a child. So, and those people are very important too. And to each their own, every mm-hmm. family gets to choose what kind of care they want for their child. Uh, but just something I think important to remember as uh, using that terminology. And uh and I and I didn't even think about it as much until I started in the childcare world. But you know, I will definitely use school a lot more because I feel like, and this is me speaking from someone that came from a school district mm-hmm. in the program, is it is school. I feel mm-hmm. like we do the same type of things, and not everyone does. So again, each program mm-hmm. is different that way. But I think that's an important piece. And what was the other thing I was going to say when you were talking about the debate to people? Okay, so here's my question: When people ask you. What do you do for work? Don't sugarcoat it. Exactly. How would you respond right now? I say I'm a preschool teacher. That's what you say. Preschool teacher. Okay, perfect. Yep, I label it as a preschool teacher. And then they'll throw back at me. Oh, so you hang out with kids. And I say, yeah, I hang out with them and I do a lot more. I teach them so many things. And then I... Depending on who it is, but okay. I love to elaborate and go more into detail. And what that is, what that mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just proud of you for saying that you're a preschool teacher. Oh, yeah. Even I adding teacher. That. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think every person that works here, no matter what level they are, according to DHS, they're a teacher and they're making a huge difference in a child's life. And I think we need to recognize that more and be more passionate about that because without these people working in this field, I don't know how everyone else is going to work. So right. um, definitely focus on that. So. Awesome. Uh, Another one that kind of comes just within the field and kind of the work you do that I'm curious about is uh, as a teacher and a mother, what advice would you give to listeners on how you best balance work and home life? Yeah, so I, like the other week, was reflecting on this balance that I have. And I think the balance in itself I had to kind of change my mindset from it being a daily thing to almost a weekly thing. How some weeks I might be 
lesson planning at home or doing X, Y, and Z at home to hopefully better benefit me and be able to focus more with the kids at work. Sure. Um, but then the next week, maybe Jack gets sick and maybe I have to do more more mom life. Um, yeah. Or I go on vacation or it's a long weekend or school's closed. And I, I tell myself that it's never going to be equal and I don't think it should be equal. Never 50-50%. But like at the all same the time, time. right? Like yeah, all on a the daily time. basis, on a weekly basis, yep. right? No, and so I think some weeks it might be 70, 80% I'm doing. I feel like I'm just work mode, work mm-hmm. mode, work mode, and it's hard to turn it off. But then other times I bring mom mode into the classroom, sure. and then I'm like, How's Jack doing? Is he okay? Yeah, and I just so the balance in itself is never parallel, never 50 50. And I think that's the beauty of it, too. And so, I mean, does anyone really have balance? All the time. Right. Right. And so, I think as a new teacher in the field, I'm definitely still learning how to make that balance better. But I also don't put that much pressure on myself to really figure it out. Yeah, that's really good. Because I was just going to say the guilt, the mom guilt, parent guilt. I shouldn't just say mom. Uh, the parent guilt can be really heavy sometimes. Yeah. So that's good that you're not feeling too much of that yet. Yeah. And it, of course, for every situation, it's different whether you have right. a support system at home and other people to do that. I mean, some people just don't have a choice. They just have to go home and care for their child. They, they don't have another option there. Right. But I also feel like for me, and this is just a passion of mine, is showing my girls to continue your passion mm. that just become because you become a mom doesn't mean your only passion has to be being a mom right that you can still have another passion too because i'm very much one that i feel like it's important to still be myself and still have part of myself and that it's not only about all i don't know who i am i take care of my girls i do this or my children you know whoever it is um and i think i'm constantly thinking about that's what i want my girls to know when they go older they grow older I want them to know that their degree and their passion and their work, whatever that be. So yeah. that's why I'm going to label it as passion because maybe their passion is not their work, sure. uh, job, career. Mm-hmm. Maybe their passion is something else, whatever it be. But sometimes it's hard to help them understand, well, this is my passion. So when mm-hmm. I'm at home, right, working yeah. on it after hours, be like, why are you still working? Oh, poor mom. Mm-hmm. She still has to work. No, this is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how do I explain to you, like, I'm okay. Like, mm-hmm. this this is a passion. Like, this feels good. This would be, like, my hobby, right? Yep. So this is not only my career. It's my hobby, too. Like, how oh, cool, you know? Yeah. Like, it's okay. This is, like, I'm fine. You guys are not fine, I guess. Like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm over here on my computer. I got my TV. I got my glass of wine. I'm like, I don't know. What's wrong? <laughs> so, uh, but no, of course, doing things with the children and being part of their activities is important, too. But I think they understand that I am going to maybe say no to them sometimes or mm-hmm. other things or be, nope, I'm sorry. I can't do that right now. I have this. And that's teaching them that I'm important, too. Right. Not only their needs. Oh, I so I that. think that's awesome, you know, as a mom. Yeah. And I think that is something that uh, within this field, it not only takes some time outside of work, but there's a lot of emotional labor. Mm-hmm. So we hear a lot from moms. I know your your little one is still pretty little, but as they get older too, uh, what is pretty common is to find where your patience mm-hmm. and your energy to teach skills and to really put time into them 
end up on other kids sometimes. And I think that's what parents and culture forgets that sometimes our most patient and highly skilled times where we are working with kids and helping them go to other children. Yeah. Not even our own. You know, like I think of that all the time. When I go home, I'm just like, and I'm done. Like, okay, patience, not there. Like, you want a patience? Like, oh, I'm like homework? Oh my God, you would think I'd be amazing at homework, right? Like, I would be like their one on one tutor. I'm, just so you all know, I'm horrible at doing homework with my children. Confession for you. Yes, I'm horrible. I have absolutely no patience. I can't. It's like, you know, but if you see Mm -hmm. me at school teaching children or teaching adults, I'm so, so patient. So it's like, I think those are the things that sometimes get lost when you talk about the debate and what I do. I give my best to other people's children, Mm. you know, but I think that also helps for my girls to understand that that's something that you can do and that, and that's okay too, that they can understand and they can learn from that and be like, that's awesome, mom. That's what you give back. You know, what can I give back? You know, and that I don't always need the perfect things or the perfect you or things like that. And that teaches grace as well um, and the home life. So I think that's awesome how you explain it as well is not always feeling like that's what I was taken away from when you were talking is I love that, that it doesn't always need to be balanced. Because as you were saying, I was like, oh my God, that is so true. I've never looked at it that way (laughs) because there are some weeks where I'm like work on, Mm -hmm. like just I'm in the mode. Yeah. Or, you know, mood. And it's just like, that's fine. And it feels okay. I'm not feeling guilty about it. I'm actually like, you guys leave me alone. I got this going, you know? And then there's the next week where it's like, yeah, blah. Uh Like, nope, I'm just going to dive into you guys. I'm really feeling like I need you. And I think it's following that feeling and then talking to them about what it is and what I need, what you need and everyone in your family. So I love that too. So thank you for that reflection because I never really thought of it or seen it that way either. So absolutely. All right, so Katie, uh, if you could just take a few minutes to explain some background on you and tell us a little bit about your experience uh, and background, things like that for our listeners. Yes, so my name is Katie Condit, and I joined Cultivate Mankato last June. Um, I initially started working at Cultivate Mankato as a co-lead in a preschool room and I am now part of a strategy specialist team and I am our program's preschool liaison so I've gained a few roles um, since starting here at Cultivate. I have a BS in early childhood education and also a minor in special education. Uh, My fiancé and I are fairly new to the Mankato area, but we welcomed our first son, Jack, our first child, this last December. So he is just turned six months old, and he is now in the infant program. Yeah. That's what I got. That is awesome. That's quite the background. I did not know that you had a minor. Yeah. So I learned something today about you. I mean, I learned lots of things, but I did learn that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And again, like when you were saying that about the minor, I was like, yeah, I see that. Cool. Like, again, shout out to Moorhead because I think a lot of like what you talked to me about was like, yep, that's showing through. Like I can totally Mm -hmm. see it. So, and of course, I I think it's a combination of what you bring to the field um, and your own traits and work skills. But I think also I could see some background in what your education was and what was really emphasized. So very cool. Thank you. And then lastly, 
what is your favorite type of music? So when Jordan does a mix a lot for mm-hmm. the <laughs> podcast, <laughs> what, what would you like her to put in there? Oh my. See, I always hate these questions because I was I wish it was what is your like most music you hate? Really? Because I Why? love I love a lot of music, so I don't just have a one genre. So you're saying you want to tell Jordan what not to put in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, no, I on the when I'm driving to work, I typically listen to like Billie Eilish. It's kind mm-hmm. of my Pandora station that I have on. Yeah. But I really just depends on the environment that I'm in. So are you eclectic as in you will listen to a lot of different yes. stuff? Okay. Yep. So if I am sitting around a bonfire, I don't mind a little country. Okay. If I'm out with my girls, I don't mind a little dance dancing. Stuff, yep. If I'm in the car, I'm just chilling. Okay. So you'll listen to it all. But if you yeah. were to pick a song. Oh, okay. Billy. Um, Billy. Would be yeah. Billy? Yep. All right. <laughs> yeah, it'd be Billy. That's my vibe. Yeah. What's, are you, you're a podcast person, right? Yes. What's your podcast right now? What do you really? It's so ridiculous. Oh. Or do you have a lot going? And, well, I have a, a small handful, but I love mommy podcasts. Oh, uh, what is the one? Are you listening to No One's Coming to Save Us? Mm-mm. Mm, that's a good one. That's a lot on childcare. Stuff, so oh, that would be a really good one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any other mom ones I've come across, but yeah, it's it's podcasts are crazy out there. Yeah, um, as we're doing one, right? <laughs> yeah, but my, it's fun too because it's like whatever you want to hear right. and think about and learn more about. It's out there. It's so fun. Yeah, I have a few favorites. Um, Miraculous Mamas is one of them. Okay. Um, Betches Mamas. What is one that? of them? Betches. Like, not bitches, betches. Mm-hmm. Okay, just clarifying. <laughs> and then the last one is Mommy's Tell All. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so those are my, I love mommy podcasts. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you again for coming. That was so fun. And I love yeah. that I get to learn more about people in this as well. thought I knew everything about you. Mm. Just kidding. I know I did not know everything <laughs> about you. But Well, it was fun, and I am really grateful to have been on the Cultivate Mankato podcast. Yay, good. Minnesota. Cultivate Minnesota. Oh, Cultivate Minnesota podcast. Do you want to say it again? Yeah. I am so grateful to have been on the Cultivate Minnesota podcast. Happy to have you. Thank Thank you. you. Oh,